Jesus, we truly do believe that you change everything, so we give this time to you and we pray, Lord, that you would speak in only the ways that you can. Quiet every heart. Tune our ears to hear of your grace and your gospel. Give us hope that we can grow. In your name we pray, amen. Well, as you may have noticed, we are in the middle of a series that started on Easter Sunday called Jesus Changes Everything. The premise of this series is that we believe as Christians that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, behold, the new has come. You see, we believe that through Jesus, through his death on the wonderful, glorious cross, at his resurrection, we have this confession, this sure hope that Jesus changes everything. Everyone and everywhere can be a part of his power. And so we've been talking about, starting last week, we've been looking at, well, what do we mean when we say everyone and everywhere? Last week we talked about how because Jesus changes everything, everyone is what? Welcomed to Jesus. We looked at Romans 15 that said, because Christ has welcomed you, you, church, brothers and sisters, you must have a heart that says you are welcomed to Jesus to come as you are and let his power do a thing in you. And so we talked about how there's this hospitality, hospital being a root of hospitality in God's people. A heart to truly ask the Lord to let us be a people that are welcoming which is challenging and hard. And today we're gonna to be talking about if Jesus changes everyone, how because of his power, this is the big idea, is that everyone should be growing. Everyone should be growing who is connected to him through his power. The question we're gonna ask is if Jesus truly does change everything, who wouldn't wanna grow in Jesus? If he truly is the, the power, the source of true change, who wouldn't want to grow in him? I was thinking this morning, as I got to watch these preschoolers singing, sitting next to my soon-to-be 13-year-old son and remembering just yesterday when he was up here singing, and just thinking about how quickly time goes by, just thinking about how, how we, we look at our children and we, we, we think about them and we, we pray for them and we wonder how are they going to grow? What are their passions? What am I gonna do as a parent or a grandparent to help them to grow? And we can't help, if we're being honest, but dream a little bit for them. And as we think about this, the question I find myself asking, as I think about my kids, as I think about my life, as I think about this church, is what are you growing? What are you growing? Or maybe how are you growing and why are you growing? Today we're gonna talk about growing in Jesus. You see, we all are, are working to grow in some way. 
We want to grow as humans. We want to grow in our, in our intellect. We want to grow in our social skills. We want to grow uh, in, in the way that we bless the community. We want to grow in our success. We want to grow in our baseball skills, right? Amen? The question is, what are you growing? And our premise today, as we look at this text in John 15, as we think about as Christians, this conviction that Jesus changes everything, is we learn from Jesus some truths about when you're growing in Jesus, he tells us some realities about what it means to to have faith in him and grow in him. In this passage in John chapter 15, these are Jesus' parting words to his disciples. He's in the upper room, and he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his people, those who are his followers, all who confess Jesus as Savior Savior and Lord. He's giving his final parting words to him with the cross in mind. And he opens up with this final I am statement, and throughout The book of John, you see him say, I am the bread of life. You see him say, I am the resurrection and the life. You see him say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this time, he makes this statement about being a vine. And as we look at this statement, we're gonna learn something from this statement about how Jesus is the true vine, and this is the truth that we're gonna learn. Growing in Jesus is painful, but meaningful. Growing in Jesus is painful, but meaningful. Why meaningful? Because there's fruit. It's fruitful. Look at what it says here in the first five verses. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, He what? He says, great job. He says, I'm gonna your success. He prunes. I feel like we have some farmers here. I feel like we have some people that have worked with pruning here. We know in agriculture that pruning is, especially in trees and vines, an incredibly important part to having the best yield for your crop. See, something about pruning, it does something. Even though you may be cutting away branches that are having some fruit, when you cut them away, there creates some extra shade, I mean some extra light to come in. And there's something about the pruning practice that can create more yield, but it's painful. And in this text, I think it's so helpful for us in our day and age, oftentimes we think, okay, I'm gonna grow in Jesus and I'm gonna get all the feelings. We're gonna sing all the songs and, and, we're, gonna, and we're gonna do all the things and, and it's just gonna feel so good all the time. And as long as I, I believe in him and I confess my faith to him, life is gonna be Just, it's gonna feel so good. And then all of a sudden, you encounter pain. You encounter crisis. 
You encounter evil. You, you encounter even this own evil in you that you're struggling with. And Jesus here is telling us, he says, I am the true vine. Abide in me. And when you abide in me, there will be some pruning that will happen in you. He says this to the church. He says in verse three, already you, church, are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. He says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Farmers, isn't this true that if you were to cut a branch off of a vine, off of a tree, it would no longer yield fruit? Is this true? Has anyone figured out a way for it to start yielding fruit? It must abide in the vine. And Jesus is saying, as we think about growing, we must abide in him. And there will be some painful parts to abiding in him. His father, the great creator, the, the, the God himself, the Father Almighty, will do some pruning in our lives, but it will be to grow. But if we don't abide, if we start thinking, oh, I'm gonna grow, but I don't got time for the vine. I don't got time to, to truly listen and hear from Jesus. I don't got time to grow in him. I, I, can, I can represent him best as a, as you know, I am a modern, progressive person. I know way better than, than this old, ancient book. And Jesus is saying, abide in me. He's saying, abide in what? My words. In 1 Peter, Peter is writing to the church about this idea of being pruned and how growing in Jesus is painful but fruitful. He says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. He says, what does he say here? But rejoice in so far as you share what? in Christ's sufferings. In the pruning, there's a sharing. A, the Puritan writers would say a union with Jesus in his sufferings. That you may what? Also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Did you know that every single pain, every single hurt, every single struggle, in, when you abide in Jesus, it's doing something. I've seen this in, in going and, and, and coming into crisis situations and, and praying with, with a brother or a sister who's going through loss or grief. Oftentimes they'll tell me that the very presence of God is that much more palpable in those times. That their, that their dependence upon him is that much more necessary in those times. I think C.S. Lewis says, in, in pain, that is like a megaphone of the very presence of God. So as you think about growing, those who are abiding in Jesus would know that it is painful, but it's meaningful. Has anybody ever, now I'm raising my hand like I have, I have never done this, but like 
started a crop or a, a tree with a seed and actually had fruit grow on it? Anybody? Okay, everybody who has your hands up, Andrew Carroll, he's running our um, garden ministry. You need to talk to him because we're starting a garden ministry, okay? See what I did there, Andrew? But I would imagine that it must be incredibly meaningful to toil at the ground, to work and, and, and water and, and do all of this work, and then all of a sudden you see fruit. And it's like, you didn't do that. You did a whole bunch of work to help that, but the fruit itself grew. And Jesus is saying, when you abide in me, there will be pain, there will be toil, there will be struggle, but hear this church, fruit will grow. Fruit will grow. My question, what are you growing? See, the flip side, we see that growing in Jesus is painful but meaningful, fruitful. Hear this. Growing in myself is exhausting and meaningless. It is fruitless. You may think it's fruitful. You may think, oh yes, if I, once I just get that promotion, once I just get, I, I reach that amount of YouTube subscribers, or TikTok likes, Facebook friends, once, once I get that, once my family gets that, once we get that house and the, the white picket fence and, we, and, the, and the boat and the, the, the summer vacation home, once we have those things and we're growing, then we've fully grown. And we, sit, and, and we think this is like what we're living for. But time and time again, if you go and you look at people who have gotten those things apart from Jesus, you look at the celebrities of this world who have had the, I'm gonna grow who sees us, right? What the poems say? Growing who sees us is more important than growing in Jesus. And then oftentimes, depression, anxiety, stress, all of these uh, addictive uh, personalities, they, they grow and they find themselves, they think they've made it, yet they haven't. It's exhausting and it's meaningless. We see this in time and time again in the stories of the people who have gotten to the places that our world tells us you should be. And so the question, as we think about Jesus changes everything, is what are you growing? As you think about the decisions that you make, as you think about the, the goals that you make in January, when you think about you know, you're, what you're striving for as you think about our little ones, as we think about the, the, the places we will send them, the education they will get, the priorities we will have as a family, what are we growing, church? See, Jesus says in verse six, he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Okay, that's a little uncomfortable. And as we read this, it can be easy to, to make this passage say something, to make this about me as a believer saying, am I abiding in Jesus? 
Is this, is this do I need to be worried about my salvation? If, if, if I'm not having fruit, does this mean that, that I'm not really a Christian? Is that what Jesus is saying? Is this, is this cause us to, to live in constant anxiousness and fear, wondering if, if I'm in, wondering if I'm a part of the vine or if I've attached my, detached myself? The enemy, Satan himself, would want you to believe this. But that's not the point of this text. The point that Jesus is saying is, abide in me. The point that Jesus is saying is if you are in a right relationship with the king of kings, the one who, who beat death, the one who resurrected and you abide in him, you will be changed. You will grow. And the question is, are you abiding? Do you have a personal right relationship with Jesus Christ? That's the question we should be asking. Jesus wrote about this in Matthew 7, or spoke about this in the Sermon on the Mount. He said this, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. He says a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a deceased, diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. We see this again. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father, obedience, who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and, and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This passage here is not meant to be a passage where we question if we've done enough. It's the person who says, Jesus, I did enough. I prophesied in your name. I casted out demons. I read my Bible every day. I went to church on Christmas and Easter. I, I did all these things. I was a pretty good person. And Jesus says, that's great, but I didn't know you. Jesus says, that's great but you're still a sinner in need of grace, and I am the one that you need to be abiding in me. He says, depart from me, not because, I, not because of the great things that you've done. He says, depart from me, because I didn't know you, personal relationship with Christ himself. Abide in me. Do you see the theme here? He is the only one that changes everything. He is the only one that does something in our hearts that, that let, lets us become new creation. So the question for you and I, as we think about this, as we think about how we grow, is how do I grow in Jesus? How do I grow, Pastor Logan? How do I grow where I am abiding, or some translations would say remaining, or living in Jesus? The first thing I would encourage you to 
to try to live out is personal dependence. Personal dependence. See, we live in a world that says, you don't need anybody. You be you. That's the beat I walk to. The Christian faith says, I need a savior. The Christian faith says, I need Jesus. We are a dependent people on a savior. Do you need a savior? Do you need Christ our Lord to be doing work in you and changing things? He says this in verse seven. He says, if you abide in me, look at what he says, and my words, his teaching, his, his, the gospel that he proclaimed to his people, and my words abide in you, he says this, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you do what? Bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. He says, ask because you have a relationship with me. I think about my kids coming up to me and saying, Daddy, can I, can I, can I have, a, can we stay up later tonight? Well, there's always a debate there. But I think about them coming up to me and, and saying, Daddy, I'm hungry, can I eat? Yes, I'm gonna feed you. Daddy, I want this. Yes, I have a relationship with you. I wanna see you grow, and, they, and, and how much more in our relationship with Jesus do we need to depend on him, to, to turn your eyes to him, to trust him? What a friend we have in Jesus. All are trials to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to him in prayer. Do you have this dependence upon him or is it more of a religion is it more of just something you confess and talk about so the question is how do i grow in jesus i would encourage you beloved to have a personal dependence upon jesus look at what he says in verses 14 and 15 we didn't read this but i just love what he does here as he's talking to his disciples he says you are what? My friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my, my father I have made known to you. Dane Ortland says this, he says, though the crowds call him the friend of sinners as an indictment, this label is one of unspeakable comfort for those who know themselves to be sinners. That Jesus is a friend to sinners is only contemptible to those who feel themselves not to be in that category. Here is the promise of the gospel and the message of the whole Bible. In Jesus Christ, we are given a friend who will always enjoy rather than refuse our presence. This is a companion whose embrace of us does not strengthen or weaken dependence on how clean or unclean, how attractive or revolting, how faithful or fickle we presently are. Personal dependence on Jesus. 
How do I grow in Jesus? I, I pray to him. I take it to the Lord in prayer. I'm in his word. I'm, I'm, I'm learning in our reading plan. I'm, I'm believing that he's real and that he has a word for me. I'm speaking to him. Second, I would say loving obedience. It's interesting in this text, there seems to be a relationship between love and obedience. There seems to be a natural loving response to obedience. Look at what it says in verse nine. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide what? In my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. See, church, I want you to hear this. We believe that Jesus changes everything. We believe that all are welcome to Jesus, that when you come to Jesus, he does something in you. This is why we believe that because Jesus changes everything, everyone is welcome. But we also believe that when you have an abiding, personal, dependent relationship with Jesus, he's going to do something in you and change you and grow you. Matt Chandler says this, he says, it's okay not to be okay. Just don't stay there. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to say, Jesus, I have these struggles. Jesus, I have these questions. Jesus, there's this abiding sin that, I, that I'm working on. That's okay, come to him, he welcomes you. And then, as he speaks into you, obey him. Listen to him. Do the things that he teaches you to do to deal with those struggles. It's okay to not be okay, just don't stay there. In that same passage in Matthew, Jesus said this. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine, when you're in a relationship with him, Jesus is speaking to you through his word, through faith community. Those who hear these words of mine, and does them will be like what? A wise man who built his house on what? The rock. What's the rock? What's the cornerstone of our name? Jesus. It says, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on that house, but it did not fall white. Why? Because they built a really good house? Because they're really good house builders? Because they're the greatest house builders around? Because they got really good nails? No, because it had been founded on the rock. Because it had been founded on the gospel. Because it had been founded on the fact that Jesus changes everything. He says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the, the winds blew and they beat against that same house and what did it do? It fell. And great was the fall of it. As you ask yourself, what am I growing? 
I would encourage you, let's be a people who are growing in the cornerstone, who are growing out of a personal relationship with Jesus where he's doing something in us. And maybe at this point you're saying, okay, I get that, Logan, why? Why would I want to grow in Jesus? Why would I want to change? I feel like that's a lot. What does he say there? Look at this last verse. Look at the hope of what he promises to those who are abiding in him, the true vine. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be what? In you. And that your joy may be full. Why grow in Jesus? That poem that we read at the beginning says this, I belong to Jesus, he says, is old and tired. Likes, follows, and you be you, that's the beat I walk to. Growing who sees us is more important than growing in Jesus. But then when we start to believe that Jesus does change everything, we flip the script. And we can see that growing in Jesus is more important than growing who sees us. This is the beat that I walk to. Likes, follows, and UBU is old and tired, or as we said today, exhausting and meaningless. I belong to Jesus. We were in our teaching team. We were talking about this, the why, and Mike Dager on our teaching team said, it was really simple and really profound, I thought. He said, who doesn't like fruit? Think about that. In this story, it's saying you abide in Jesus. What happens? Fruit grows. Do you know what kind of fruit grows to those who are in Christ? In Galatians, it says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Anybody want to see that fruit happen in them? That's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of his, it's the fruit of his indwelling spirit. For those who are abiding in him, the spirit he promises does something. It's not the fruit of your flesh. It's not the fruit of your earning. It's not the fruit of your striving and your working. It's the fruit of a person who's abiding in the true vine. It's the fruit of a people, of a gathered church who are living, check this word out, in a cornucopia truth. What's a corticopia? It's a gathering of, of harvest. As I think about this, and I think about if we are a church that is abiding in Jesus, imagine, imagine the fruits that are going to keep growing in us, church. And if we are a church that says, I get it, I'm a part of the vine, and hear this, as, I, as we gather and we, and we abide and we, and, we, and we focus in growing in Jesus, we recognize you can't grow alone. You can't just grow on just saying, I'm gonna just watch the sunrise and have a good cup of coffee, and it's just gonna be me and my Bible and Jesus, and I don't need anybody else. That's nowhere in the Bible. It's always in faith community. It's always we're all the branches, all together. We're all abiding in him, and we grow together. We read today in Romans 12 in our reading plan that there's this call to God's people to be abiding. It says, if anyone's, it says, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as what? A living sacrifice. It's living in sacrifice like Jesus did on the cross. 
This is your spiritual act of worship. It says, do not conform anymore to the pattern of this world, but what? Be transformed. Transformed, metamorphosed, changed by what? The renewing of your mind. That's what Jesus does. Then you will be able to test and discern his will for you. There are people in the room that are wondering, what am I living for? There are people in the room that are wondering, am I good enough? There are people in the room who are tired and exhausted and tired of living a life on sand. Church, Jesus changes everything and he tells you and me that if we can be on the rock, if we can together abide in him, if we can believe that he truly is the cornerstone, Christ alone, he's gonna do incredible stuff. And we're gonna be a people living in a cornucopia. Now hear this, it's gonna be painful. Hear this, it's gonna be hard. Hear this, as you abide in the great, pure, holy one, there are things in our life that he's gonna say, Logan, we need to do some work here. Logan, there's, there's some stuff that your ego needs to surrender. And you can't do that, but I'll do that in you. I would invite you today, church, as we continue to confess that we are a people who grow in Jesus, I would invite you, abide in him. And don't be afraid of the pain. Know that he will do a work in you. Receive it. Believe it. Depend on him. And let's see how he grows us. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, right now in this moment, I believe with all my heart that I'm not talking to some empty being. That right now I am talking to my friend and my savior. That right now, Lord, you are in this room, that you are the king, and you have so much work for us to do, but the most important work that you want us to know is that you are with us. That when we think about the pain and the toil and the work that comes from living in this world, we know that you came into this world, that you lived a perfect life, that you died on the cross for our sins, that you resurrected, so we have a savior with nail scars in his hands who says, I'm with you. And Lord, I pray as we continue to sing of your grace, as we continue to sing that you are our cornerstone, I pray, Lord, that today you would continue to do your growing work in these people. That all of us would, would know and believe that you will grow in us. And Lord, I pray that you would show us what is one way today that I can take a step by your power, by your grace, to continue to grow. I pray, Lord, that as we sing of these truths, that you would minister to all who are here. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.